0: Welcome to Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League, presented by 78 Sports. It's good to see you all on this Thursday. Thank you again for watching and listening. We are super excited about all of our Futures League guys getting it done around the major leagues, and we're going to tell you about that before we get this episode underway. We start with the Bryant Bulldogs and Brian Schaub, who is making some plays out in the field this weekend. He was helping out fellow Futures League alumni, Colin Picard, who struck out 12 batters, only surrendering three hits and one earned run over five innings to help Bryant beat 14th ranked Virginia Tech over the weekend. Congratulations to the Bryant men for getting it done. We also had Luke Broadhurst, who is at UConn now after transferring from Eastern Connecticut State. The former New Britain B hit his first home run in the Husky colors, so congratulations to Nuke Broadhurst for that honor. And February 24th, we had Northeastern playing against none other than the Boston Red Sox and plenty of Futures League guys were out there getting it done, including 2021 Pitcher of the Year, Patrick Harrington, who was electric after coming out in the pen and holding the Red Sox down after they scored five runs early. Danny Cross also had an RBI for Northeastern and we saw plenty of other Futures League guys out there, including James Quinn Livian, Jack Thorbon, Luke Beckstein, Ed Jarvis among others. So congratulations to all the Northeastern guys who not only beat the Boston Red Sox, but their five and one start, which is the best start under head coach, Mike Glavin, a former guest on this podcast. Congratulations to those guys on this episode. We have a female who continues to make history around baseball and will continue to do so with the Brockton rocks and the futures league this summer. Marika Lissick will become the first female player in futures league history after Margot Dulette became the first manager in futures league history last season. We are so excited to have Marika in the league. She talked about her time at Sonoma State and Riviere, what it's going to be like to be back in New England this summer and her excitement to play against the Nashua Silver Knights, who she talked about the fact that she wanted to come back and play summer baseball in New England and will get that chance this summer in Brockton. We also talked to her about her past growing up, who she's looked up to, and so much more. Before we get to that, though, a reminder to help out Pete Wilk and his family as he continues to get treatment for brain cancer. We will continue to put the GoFundMe link in our podcast description going forward. Pete, we're thinking about you. And again, folks, please continue to donate on the GoFundMe link below. Now we want to introduce you guys to the first female player in Futures League history. It's Marika Lissick we now welcome on a very special guest here to season six episode three of back to the future she will be the first female player in futures league history this summer and continues to make history in college baseball it is marika lissick Marika, how you doing today
1: good thank you thank you for having me
0: of course and getting right to it you grew up in british columbia up in canada how did you originally get into playing baseball
1: I remember, um, I think it was just kind of the sport that everyone kind of got into when they were little, the tee ball, my mom put me in it. Um, Growing up, I played both baseball and softball, and I just kind of happened to lean more towards the baseball side when I had to make a decision. Um, So mostly my mom got me into it.
0: That's awesome. And so obviously you said it, you mentioned you played tee ball and you played throughout your childhood, but the big decision came when you decided to play in college. So what led to that decision Um,
1: So for me, I was always told that if I played baseball um, in high school, I'd have a better opportunity to get recruited for softball. So that was always my goal, to play softball. And then I started getting around my 12th grade year when I was like, okay, maybe this is an opportunity. I'm going to start sending emails out. Like, who cares if I get it or not? Like, either way, I was going to play softball or I was going to play baseball. I didn't know it was, like, very attainable at the time because there was not a lot of girls doing it. And um, so I sent out tons of emails, and I happened to go to a recruiting uh, showcase with MLB. So it was called MLB Grit, and it was the first like inaugural event for like women to showcase. Um, we were in Texas, and it was like my last game in the series there. I had no clue this would come with anything that would change my life forever. Um, I just thought it was a fun time to play with girls, show what we got, and all that good stuff. Um, and then Jeremy Booth came up to me, who um, was a scout at the time. And he was like, listen, I think you can play in college baseball. Like, he's like, do you want to play? And I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy thinks I can play college? Like, yeah, of course. And they originally said to me, anyone I had ever talked to was like, if you're going to go to college, you're going to pitch. And at that time, I was like a full-time catcher, and I had pitched kind of on the side. And I was like, oh, like, as a pitcher? And he was like, no, no. Like, I want you to go as a catcher. And I was like, whoa, this is so crazy because no one had ever done it before. And I was like, this is possible. Like, he thinks this is possible for me. So he reached out to one of his good friends, Anthony Perry at Revere University, which was the first school I committed to. um, I played there for a collective two years. Unfortunately, with COVID, I got sent home and then I ended up getting rotator cuff surgery. But that's how I got into college before I uh, transferred to here to Sonoma State.
0: And you just mentioned and you've mentioned in a couple interviews before that if the baseball if this didn't work out for baseball, you would have gone the softball route. What does it mean to kind of prove everybody wrong and go the baseball route and continue to do what you're doing now? Um,
1: Honestly, I think it's an indescribable feeling to me. Um, I've been told no more times than I can count on my hands, and that's what I try to tell little girls that want to play. Even girls in high school, just because you get one no doesn't mean everyone's going to say no. You literally just need one person to say yes to you. And that's what I got. Like every single time it was the one person that took a chance on me to like give me an opportunity to get me to the next phase. So that's what I, that's how I got here.
0: Yeah. And you will be continuing to show off your skills this summer when you will be the first female to play in the Futures League and continue to be a trailblazer. What does that mean to know that once again, you'll be making history, but this time for us and for summer baseball in the Futures League?
1: I mean, every time I do it, um, it's so amazing. For me, it's it's just so fun attaining the next thing in my career. I'm always looking for how to be better, where I can play. I want to go on a bigger scale, bigger, more people, more better teammates, the more you can ever imagine. And I knew playing for the Rocks that it was going to be a huge decision for me of where I was going to play, uh, play summer baseball this year. And I'm just so excited to play. In Brockton, because I've played in New Hampshire for two years, which is on the East Coast. So I'm going back to the East Coast. All my friends are there. I'm so excited for them to come out, my family to come out, and especially the fans. I'm excited to be on a larger scale with a beautiful field and be able to interact with the people there.
0: And you just mentioned a Riviera is in New Hampshire. You've played plenty of baseball out here in New England, but you are back for the summer. What does that specifically mean to you, just being back to where your baseball career started?
1: It's a sentimental moment for me, especially because we'll be playing against the Silver Knights. And I remember on my recruitment trip, my coach telling me, he's like, oh, you know, we, we haven't really sent any guys here yet. We're looking for, like, the best of the best, and he's like – you know, maybe one day you can play in the Futures League. And so for me, it's kind of like a, a moment where I'll get to go back and play on the field that I made history on. So um, it's super exciting to be back there.
0: Yeah, of course, Riviera is right there in Nashua where the Silver Knights reside. So that'll be great for the first trip of the season when Brockton heads up there. And last year, the Futures League also had its first female manager in Margot Doulette. What is it like seeing other women like Margot making an impact in the industry just like you're doing on a daily basis?
1: It's so amazing. I love any time a woman is coaching, playing, managing, you name it. Um, I think there's been such an uphill battle that we have been against as women in this sport, and slowly but surely, especially this year, there's the most girls ever playing college baseball. There's the most girls ever coaching in the major leagues, managing um, and whatnot, so I think we're definitely making strides and seeing other women follow their dreams. There's truly nothing like it.
0: Yeah, it's great to see. And we've had Margot on this podcast as well. And she said similar things. It's great to see that every day, there seems to be a new feat for women in sports. And and we love to see it. And we're very glad to have you here in the Futures League. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And what led you to Brockton originally? What was the recruitment process like? I know you said that you were planning to play summer baseball somewhere, but what led you to Brockton specifically?
1: So for me, I played at the Hamptons for the last two years. Um, I had such an amazing time, but I knew it was time for me to spread my wings and head elsewhere. I was originally going to play in Canada. I was checking out all my options when I was like, you know, I remember. It's like back to the time when I was on my recruitment trip with the future league. I'm going to see what I can do and go back there. Um, the hardest part about summer baseball is you're away from your family and you're away from everybody you know. So I was like, the fact that I can go back enjoy baseball and be around my friends and have them be able to come out and support me and be able to hang out with them. It just, it all made sense for me and just the vision that the rocks have really aligns with me. I'm super into content creation. I know, um, they're trying to be sort of like banana ball and there's no other place I would want to be truly.
0: Yeah. And that leads perfectly into my next question, which is about Campanelli stadium hosting the Savannah bananas this summer who of course, as many of you know, is a baseball team that also contributes to the game and content creation. How excited should Brockton and the greater Boston area be to see the Bananas come into town and try and help grow the game of baseball?
1: Oh my gosh. Uh, Let's just say there's nothing like the Savannah Bananas. Um, I've never personally watched a game. I follow their content closely as I'm close friends with Jackson Olsen. He puts on such an amazing show, and you wouldn't believe the time and effort they put into that because not only are they good baseball players, they're amazing performers – Um, and I don't even know if I can do it. (laughs) It takes a lot of effort to learn dances, backflip while catching balls, and learn, like, a whole new game of rules. But I love it because they're bringing the fun back to baseball. I know, um, like, statistically, baseball is a dying sport compared to other sports. So the fact that they're getting young kids and more women and other – other people out to games that normally wouldn't watch baseball games it's it's a super cool thing and i hope to be there to watch it
0: yeah we hope to be there as well it's going to be super fun this summer and if you got the chance to say play for the bananas would you be the one on stilts or doing backflip? what would be your special skill if you were on the bananas
1: (laughs) see i've always thought about this and i don't know what my like niche thing is like Jackson's so good at shortstop he eats food all the time like that's his niche thing we got the guy on the stilts we got the guy who does the backflips We someone that sings so I'm gonna have to get back to you on that when I've like had a clearer vision of what I do you know and I would like to say be myself and maybe that would be my shtick but I'll think about it
0: and get back to you (laughs) all right sounds good we'll be looking forward to that answer for sure And last year, the Rocks also put themselves on the map when they had a number of former Major League sons on their team, including Manny Ramirez Jr. and D'Angelo Ortiz. And now they're adding you to the mix. What does it mean to follow in their footsteps and play at Campanelli Stadium where so many eyes have been turned to the last couple of years?
1: Um, It's truly crazy to think... um... I'll be replacing five people <laughs> in one. It's, it's, it's unreal to me. I mean, hopefully I do it justice and hopefully I can be um, a good role model this year for them. But I think it's super cool to get the opportunity to play at that field, play where so many amazing people have played Um, Justine Siegel that was her first coaching appearance for Brockton so for us in the women's baseball side of things it's super cool to go back and do things a little bit differently she coached I am now a player there but I'm excited to kind of show what Brockton what Brockton what I have
0: yeah we're excited for that as well and you mentioned it earlier you've played in a number of summer baseball leagues and we ask everybody that comes on this podcast this but what does summer baseball mean to you and how important do you think it is for player development, for guys that are either just going to college or in college and trying to improve their game before they head back to school?
1: Summer baseball, I would say, is a key element for a lot of people, especially a lot of people who don't get innings. Even if you do get innings, it's a, it's a time to refine your craft. I know for me last year, um, it was my first real opportunity to throw since surgery. So it was kind of my recovery time without a lot of pressure. Um, I honestly enjoy summer baseball so much, almost as much as the season. It's so hard because I have so much fun and it's such a cool opportunity to play with so many different people from so many different places. You have D3, D2, D1, um, Juca, JUCO, NAIA, like all the works. And I've honestly forged some of the best relationships I have from playing with Uh, my teammates. So I'm also really excited to meet the other guys that are going to play. And it's super cool because I have always learned um, so much from each individual and it's really fun to bring them into my content and make TikToks with them as well.
0: Yeah, we had some guys on TikToks and, and social media last season lighting it up. So that'll be fun for this summer. And yeah, I've talked to a number of people on this podcast who say the same thing. It's getting perspectives from people who have coached in the major leagues, from other players who are at different levels. So that that's great that you have that same mentality heading into this summer here with the Rocks. Before we return to Back to the Futures, we want to share a message from our friends at Zorian Bat Company. Rob Zorian started the company, Zorian Bat Company, in 2003, literally out of the trunk of his car in Davie, Florida. Within two years, he was selling his wood bat line to Major League Baseball and continues to manufacture the highest grade wood bats for Little League all the way up to the majors. Rob Zorian, founder and president of Zorian, says... I started the company in 2003 to service all baseball players in the United States and beyond. And after 19 years, our mission has not changed. We are very excited to have the opportunity to work with the Futures League and wish all of our players and coaches a healthy and successful season ahead. For more information about Zorian, visit their website, zorianbats.com. Zorian, America's baseball brand. Now, back to Back to the Futures. So transitioning to your current position now, you are at Sonoma State, a D2 program in Ronhart Park, California. What led you to that opportunity? You mentioned COVID and kind of what happened at Riviera, but what led to that opportunity and what was the recruitment process like for that?
1: So I knew for myself, um, Riviera was an amazing starting place for me. It will always hold a special place in my heart. But I knew for me, I've always wanted to move up to the next level. I was at a Division three program. Um, It was a little chilly for me uh, in New Hampshire during the winter. So it was not the most ideal for baseball. Um, But mostly I wanted to challenge myself um, and play at the next level. Um, So at this time, I was like, you know what, this was this was probably the hardest thing because I had ever done. So I had shoulder surgery. I'm a woman. And the transfer portal was so blocked up with everybody because of COVID, everybody getting extra years, like just you name it, it was just a disaster. People who threw 90 plus weren't getting offers. So it's just like rosters were full and that was it. And at that point I was like, oh man, I am losing faith here. Like this is hard work. I emailed a lot of people. I reached out to a lot of programs that I thought would be a really good fit for me um and it turns out Sonoma State had the program I wanted to do because unfortunately Revere didn't have um, a communications program they only really had uh, a psych program that I was in so I was like it's time to transition and do what I want to do so I got to do my comms I reached out um, to my coaches here at Sonoma State and they said come on down like we'll give you an opportunity and it's it's yours to take it's yours to lose you know what I mean like that so um, this, this fall was pretty stressful for me because we were fighting. There was about uh, 65 or 70 guys coming up this fall to try out. So I felt a lot of pressure because this was the first time that anyone had really been like, okay, this is high stakes. There's a lot of people that want to be on this team. Everyone's going to come out and compete every day. It's like, if you don't have a good day, you better have a good day the next day. So I'm just so... Um, blessed with them having an opportunity for me to even come out and try out for the team because there was at no point any time where they were like, yeah, we're just taking you 100% no matter what happened. It was a battle with myself and it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Every time I'm going to practice, I'm stressed out. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope I make the team. I'm just trying to be the best teammate I could be, the best player I can be. And Um, I came out great on the other side um, with making the roster this year. Um, And I was on the travel roster this last week. So, so far, I had my first outing as well. So I'm really grateful for them here. They've been nothing but amazing, including my teammates. And I couldn't ask for a better program to have landed in.
0: Yeah, and you just mentioned that you did have your first outing last week which went very well. You went an inning. You gave up a hit and an unearned run, but you had a few fly balls to get out of the inning pretty much unscathed. What was that moment like for you entering your first game for Sonoma State and, again, continuing to trailblaze, as we've said?
1: You know, anytime I do something for the first, it's it's nerve-wracking. I like to say I have um, ice in my veins, but sometimes it's way different when you're not facing your teammates anymore. Like the whole fall and the beginning of the spring, it's facing a team. You just hope it goes well because not only – do I want to keep the door open for people? I want to make sure that I'm making my team and my coaches proud so I hold a lot of weight on my shoulders to be successful. And I'm just super happy with the way the outing went. Um, I got the results I, I've i been practicing for and all that good stuff. So it was super exciting to see all the hard work that I put in in the, in the fall and the beginning of the spring to pay off, especially coming back from shoulder surgery. This was a huge feat for me.
0: Yeah, and talk about that for a minute. We've talked about it with a couple guys before on the podcast who have had surgeries and have had to come back. But for for talk about that for you, what was your kind of recovery period like? Especially, you said it was kind of during the COVID era. So how did how was that? Like you're obviously getting surgery and then coming back from
1: that. Yeah, I mean, it was probably one of the most difficult things I've ever done. I remember walking in six weeks post surgery to our recovery uh, training room. And I remember them being like, all right, today's the day, like, you're going to get your arm out this thing, and you're going to lift it up and put your hand on the wall. And I remember, like, trying to lift my arm up, and I couldn't get anywhere close to the wall. And I just, it was such, um, I think there was, like, defeat on my face, you could say, because I was so, it's such, like, an upsetting thing where it's, like, you're used to your body um, performing at the highest ability possible. And then the most simplest things, like, picking up a glass of water, you can't do. I couldn't pick up, like, heavy things for such a long time. I mean, I watched my team play for the majority of last season, and that was super hard because, of course, I wanted to be there to contribute um, and help as much as I could. So I was just there um, to support them and cheer them on, and I got one inning at the end of the year, which was nice. Um, Two years, they said that's where I'll be completely back. I'm a year and a half. There's still a lot I need to get more for velo and whatnot. But I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now with accuracy-wise, working on my slider, my change-up, uh, and all those things. So it was definitely a hard battle, but I'm happy I went through it because the amount of pain I had post-rotator cuff surgery was just unimaginable. And I feel like you do come back stronger, both mentally. And physically, I mean, the mental part was is something I still struggle with, because you always think your arm's going to hurt when you throw. So now going out there and being able to throw six times a week without pain is just, there's nothing like it. and you don't know it until you're in pain. And you're like, wow, I wish I could just like throw like when I was 12. And I could go out there without stretching. So it's, it's going to be nice to continue to develop over the summer and hopefully um, finish recovering soon.
0: Yeah, that's certainly, that's, I can't imagine the pain that you went through to get back from that, but it is good to see you back and throwing. And we've talked about it here with a couple of the guys. We had a D1 opening special a couple weeks ago, and I talked to another pitcher last week. It, the off season is over, but it was a long off season. Preparation and conditioning is super key. What did you do to stay in shape, especially with the, re- in addition to recovering from your injury to kind of make sure that you were ready for the start of this season?
1: So for us in the fall, we had a pretty um, routine that we had. So it was like we had practices about five times a week. We have a I go see a trainer outside of that. So um, Angelica took me on here in California. She is so beyond amazing. She helped me um, continue to recover, and she still continues to help me today. Um, and I think she was a huge piece of me getting back, as well as um, the ATP people in Connecticut, uh, Josh Heenan, he helped me come back from surgery. So I think there was just a lot of grind time for me. It was like, this is time that you got to lift, you got to do cardio, you got to throw every day. Um, Your mobility has to be good. I think the more I age, although I'm young, the more I age, the more I realize uh, the healthier you have to be. And the healthier you are, the more opportunities um, you will get
0: yeah, certainly. and you know full health is very important for for any job, especially in in baseball, where you're you know, as you said, you're you're grinding every day to try and get back on the field and get your velocity back and but that's good that you're making that progress and almost there. You said about two years, you're almost there, so so close. so close.
1: almost. I hope that uh, I'll continue to progress, <laughs> but it's definitely a great start.
0: And another thing, we talked about this before we started recording, but you were a catcher at Riviera, and now you're pitching at Simona State, and we'll be doing that again this summer in Brockton. What led to the position switch for you?
1: So for me, I felt like if I was going to make it to the next level, it was going to be pitching. I had been told pitching was kind of the key um, to get in, Um, and I had some luck. I had more luck with recruiting with pitching, so I thought it was time to hang up the catcher's gear. Unfortunately, I missed it a lot, but it's a different change. And I always like new, exciting challenges. And for me, pitching is a new challenge for me because I didn't do it all that much growing up. So I I had to learn PFPs. I had to learn coverages from uh, being on the mound. And I'd always look at my pitchers who have been pitchers uh since they were 14 and pitchers only and i'd be like oh my gosh where do i go because i'm still learning it's a whole new position for me really but i find it really fun because it's a whole new challenge um and i'm excited to kind of get more knowledge this summer being a pitcher only with brockton and hopefully i can learn some new pitches from my fellow teammates and my coach
0: yeah that'll certainly be great to see this summer so one thing we've talked to a number of pitchers on this podcast about who have switched over from catching is the fact that catching can teach you a lot when you're on the mound about pitching. So what as a catcher did you learn that is now helping you as a full-time pitcher on the mound?
1: So for me personally, I think because I learned to call a game before I pitched a game, I sort of know exactly what's going to work best for me in the situations while also reading a batter. So it's like things like, oh, the batter is really up on the chalk line, like hugging the plate, like we're going to bust him inside here with something we'll see how it goes on there is he late is he early okay then we throw outside we throw up so it's it's really interesting to see it from a different perspective and know sort of exactly when i want to throw before i throw it and also just knowing what situations and how to be patient with the catcher i know it's easy to get hard on the catcher when there's balls and you spike it and it goes over their shoulder so i think from being a catcher i know like when i spike one I know some cat or some pitchers would get frustrated if a catcher doesn't block it or they miss it. And it's like, you know what? Like I was a catcher. I know what it's like. We're human. We make mistakes. Oh, it slips through the leg. You drop it. Like I never get frustrated because I know what it's like coming from that position. But I think it's a really cool, overwhelming thing that I can see. It's like when I'm throwing to someone, I can sort of see what their patterns are. It's like where they're hitting it, where are they missing? Are they early? Are they late? Um, where do they not like to be pitched? Do they like off-speed? So it's cool because I'll get to watch it before I get to go in and pitch and see. And then usually late um, late relief to close. So I can watch all the patterns of the pitchers before them. And I'm a little different because I throw a little bit slower than um, my fellow pitchers. <laughs> but I can court, so, sort of see exactly what they don't like. So it's like I can pitch to their their hates instead of their likes
0: yeah and one thing about you is you've mentioned that you've moved to a few teams and you're also in more for late inning relief so it's that catcher pitcher relationship can be interesting for both of those scenarios so what is that like for you trying to develop a relationship with your catcher when either you're coming into a game late or you're going from riviera to sonoma or you're playing on a summer ball team
1: i think for me personally and this goes for the whole team um i love to be close to my teammates i especially the catchers who are going to catch you um, having a relationship to be able to talk and have them knowing exactly what you like to throw. Cause I'm very picky on where I like to throw, what my pitch selection is because sometimes I go out there and just like my off speed's not working and I'm relying on one pitch and like, I need them to know that like, this is what I when I get into a situation where it's really tight and I need a pitch to work out, like I need them to know which one to call. So we're not, I'm not on the mound, shaking my head, stepping off, getting back on. Um, and a lot of, no matter where I've gone, I think catchers and I have had a pretty good relationship with developing it developing it before I, I get on the field. So to a point where it's like, oh, I get out there and he knows exactly what I want to throw. He knows what I feel the most comfortable with and I can feel comfortable with telling him like, Hey, this is not working for me today. Or like, Hey, can you set up a little bit more outside? And usually I would say like my relationship with my catchers and my teammates are pretty good. Cause I try to hang out with them outside of baseball. And that's how you get a little bit more of a deeper relationship, both often on the field to a, a trusting manner. And I know for me going out there, having my teammates trust me is the most important thing. And that's the coolest thing. It's like when my, when my fellow teammates want to see me go out there and pitch and be successful um that's one of the sweetest things that um I can really describe in my career because my last outing it was super cool and all my teammates are like yeah we want to see you pitch and they're so supportive and swarm you when I come off the mound so it's a pretty cool experience
0: Yeah, that's a great feeling. And it's obviously, you said it, it's super important to have your teammates close. So that's great that you've had that experience for everywhere you've went. And another thing I want to mention, the new rules for Major League Baseball, obviously one of them in particular is the pitch clock. I want to know your thoughts on that.
1: So I actually had a funny moment like a week and a half ago when this we started sort of talking about it a little bit more before our games. And I thought to myself, I was like, you know, this pitch clock was really not made for somebody with long hair. Because I have a pet peeve where, like, if a piece of my hair is, like, in front of my eye, I can't throw. Like, I'm just going to step off um, and reset. But now you only get a certain amount of resets. Um, So I was timing myself on how fast I can put a ponytail back in my hair or a bun. Because I was like, if I run out of my 20 seconds while I'm redoing my hair on the mound, like that is just not going to be good. So I was timing myself. I was only seven seconds. So thankfully, you know, never know under pressure if I really had to do it. Um, it's it's a very interesting thing. I mean, I've watched a lot of uh, college Division One games where this this has happened already um, uh, to both batters and pitchers. Um, and we even had one of our pitchers strike a guy out on this new 20 second. Um, pitch clock, but they had 10 seconds for the batter. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit more nerve wracking, of course, because you have to, you only get a certain amount of resets. Um, you only get 20 seconds to deliver the pitch. I'm a pretty um, fast paced pitcher already, but just thinking about the 20 seconds on top of it definitely makes you a little bit more antsy and can rush you a bit.
0: And you just talk about that for a second. You're a fast paced pitcher. You know, we've see- so many pitchers that are very slow paced pitchers that this is going to affect more has that always been a mentality of yours to just get up on the mound and throw because i think if if i had a godforsaken talent and i could pitch that's what i would do is just get up on the mound and toss it but for the guys like i think of david price that's the first guy i think with who took forever to throw the baseball what is like what, when, what, <laughs> when did you decide that that was going to be your your position on the mound
1: so for me, I think I always am thinking in my head. I'm like, okay, how fast can I get out of this? <laughs> I, mean, I never want to be out there for a minimum amount of time. i never want to be out there. And if I get stranded out there, like that is no good. I try to be the most efficient. I can be the fastest I can be because the faster I go, the more, I guess the better I do, I would say, because if I can get out of that inning and under a certain amount of time, that means I was efficient and I pitched well. So for me, being fast paced. And sometimes that can work against you when you really need to control the running game. Um, You need to change your kind of timing when throwing the pitchers. And I've been working on that a lot with um, my coaches here on how to hold longer, how to do um, more PO stuff that I never learned before. And I think it just came from never pitching full time. (laughs) I was just always a catcher. So I never did it. But I think in my head, I'm like, okay, the faster I go, the faster um, I'll get off the mound, which sounds bad, but <laughs> I just want to be the most efficient I can be and try to get out of there in as little uh, pitches as possible. That's always my goal. I think the fall, the most I threw in an inning was like 15. So I always try to limit pitches. I just want them to hit the ball, um, and I'll leave it up to my infielders, outfielders, to make the play. I, I'm not trying to blow by them. Um, my approach is more so pitch to them. Let them hit it, hopefully not get too big of a piece of it, um, and let my teammates uh, be behind me.
0: You got to trust your defense, number one. Got to trust your defense.
1: I, that's all I have. That's all I do. I'm like, you guys, I always look at them out there. I'm like, y'all better be ready because I'm not trying to blow it past them. Like, this is coming to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you, you, you be ready. You,
1: you Everyone be ready. It's coming. <laughs>
0: And you've mentioned it a few times and kind of right there, but pressure, nerves on the mound, especially in a late inning role there, it's bound to happen. You know, there's big situations where you have to either subdue them or use them to to your advantage. What is your approach when you, when the pressure is on, when the nerves are starting, how do you either alleviate them or use them to your advantage?
1: I always try to remember that I've done this a million times. I'm just throwing, to the catcher um, I throw bullpens all the time but of course adrenaline honestly helps me because when I have adrenaline I forget about all the stress I'll always have a lot of anxiety depending on who we're playing what inning I'm going into um, going out to the mound and my biggest thing is as soon as I throw the first pitch and I can get a strike I'm like in my groove. everything just disappears and this is a little bit different because as a catcher i didn't have as much stress um, unless there was like bases loaded and the tying runs at third and it's like you better block this and you better keep it in front but i mean as a pitcher you have all your eyes on you like you can make and break the game depending on how you pitch you could walk five guys so for me i just try to breathe through it and remember that no matter what happens, like I'm still going to be the same person because especially, I'm, I know lots of players are, and especially myself, I'm super hard on myself and it's really easy to be result orientated. Um, so for me to remember that I've done it before, um, no matter what happens, I'm still going to be the same person I'll still pitch again. Like people just have bad days and I, I think it's hard, especially as a girl, because sometimes when I mess up, it's, It's not, oh, she's a baseball player, she messed up. It's like, oh, she's a girl, she can't play at this level. So I always have like a little bit of an extra stress on me because it's like I don't want anyone to ever see me as like she can't do it because of um, her gender. Um, So for me, going out and proving my point every single time is like the most important thing for me and how I carry myself on the mound and with my teammates because I want to not only be remembered as a good baseball player but a good teammate and a good person.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's gotta be the mentality when you're out there. It's just, you know, it's just a game. It's just another day. You're a pitcher. You do this all the time. Just shove it and let's go.
1: For sure. So I'm sure my first outing um, with Brockton, I'll be a little bit nervous, but as soon as I settle in, I think I'll be excited to play in front of a crowd.
0: Oh, hundred percent. And we're going to be pumped to see that when it happens.
2: Hold on. We'll get right back to back to the futures. But first we want to share a message from our friends at 78 sports. If you have kids playing baseball or softball, we all know practice time is limited, especially here in New England. Not to mention the cost of lessons and cage time can add up very quickly. Save yourself time and money by giving your kids what they need to work on their game at home. Our friends at 78 Sports can help you put together the perfect at home training setup. Whether you wanna start small with just a tee and a net or looking to set up a full cage with turf and a pitching machine, they have you covered. And I've used their stuff before, I've seen their facilities. They definitely cover everything. The team at 78 Sports design and install hundreds of at-home and commercial sports training facilities. So let them help you find the perfect setup for your space. Visit the 78 Sports website at 78sports.com. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, the number eight, sports.com. For a limited time only, by just mentioning Back to the Futures, you'll receive a 10% discount off your order. That's S-E-V-E-N-T-Y, number eight, sports.com. Now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. All righty. Now, going off
0: the field here for this next question, we talked before we got started here. You are a member of the MLB Creator Class, and you worked with Major League Baseball this past season. What led you to that position, and what's it like working for the big leagues?
1: Um, honestly, it has been so crazy and I've had some some of the most unbelievable experiences with them. I got to go to a World Series, All-Star Game, um, Feel the Dreams, like you name it, I got to go and I got to cover it. Um, my dream is to do on-field commentating, so this just aligned for me so well. I started making content back when COVID hit and I was joking and laughing, was like, no, I will never do TikTok. Like, that is so embarrassing. Uh, Three years later, uh, my job is a TikToker, which I think is hilarious. Like I never thought that this job would exist, let alone I would um, have this. Um, MLB has been so amazing. They've given us so many opportunities and I will remember these for the rest of my life. And it's super cool because although I won't be a part of this year's creator class because there will be a new one, um, I will continue to make content and I'm even going to World Baseball Classic in the next two weeks to make content so continuing with that and hopefully continuing that in the future
0: as well so that's awesome that you'll be attending the world baseball classic in a couple weeks what will kind of your content look like for that
1: for me it's sort of off in the air right now um this is sort of a last minute decision of me wanting to go so collaborating with some podcasts some other people that do content similar to mine and hopefully showing what it's kind of like to go watch the world baseball classic what's the food like what's the stadium like what's it like being on the field hopefully i can get some credentials for it and i'm really excited to even see team canada play which um, has a few of my friends on it so it's going to be a cool moment for me to see them play
0: yeah that will be cool and you'll be on the other side of the interview this time it'll be yes exactly you'll be interrogating not interrogated
1: exactly hey it's it's harder it's harder when you're interviewing i'm telling you it's easier to roll with the questions you had to prepare for this i'm proud of you
0: (laughs) hey i do what i can i do what i can all right two more questions here for you and then we will let you go the first one who are some athletes that you looked up to during your childhood and development to become the player that you are today
1: for me, I really looked up to Jackie Robinson. I loved the movie 42. I feel like it gave me so much inspiration to do what I did today because he did similar things, although mine is gender. His was color barrier. I always looked up to him, and I watch that movie all the time when I am feeling like I'm questioning myself at, at any point because he changed the game of baseball. Um, and so for me, it's like I'm on a new wave and a, and a new opportunity for baseball to change, so he's definitely somebody that I will always look up to.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. And we we are proud of the Futures League here to be part of that change. And this summer, it's going to be a great summer, another great summer here for the Futures League. And final question here, your favorite all-time baseball memory. I know there's probably a lot in there, but one that well, or, or a few that may stick out to you in particular.
1: That is hard. So the first, I'll, I'll give you two. The first one would definitely be my first ever college outing um, behind the plate. And of course the one I made the other day. And and then I would have to say being an all-star week and being around such amazing players, I got an opportunity to meet um, Aaron Judge. And it was super cool because it's like all these people that I had looked up to for years, I watched on the TV, all of a sudden I'm standing beside them and interviewing them. And it's like, I, I remember um We had the red carpet and the media could stand on the side. So I was on the side of the media and it was so hot that day. And I like tried to get attention of players, and it was like the hardest thing to do because everybody wanted to talk to them, every news outlet, and they only stop at like a certain amount. So by the end of it, I was kind of like, oh, well, I just can't get anyone. Like I've done my best that I could do. It's so hot. I'm literally melting because it was like LA in the summer. And so Um, I was heading back to the hotel to realize that there was like a separate room that you could walk through because they had to get it off to like the hotel that everyone was staying at. And I walked through there and I was like, oh my gosh, there's free gelato. Like this is so great. I mean, it was half melted. I'm just sitting there like half eating the gelato when I realized this was the exit for the red carpet where all the players came off. So that's when I got to meet Aaron Judge. Like I got to meet so many amazing players that I'd always looked up to. Um, and just to be sitting there and just be so surprised that these guys are just coming on. They're so genuine and sweet, and like they'll have a conversation with you. It's just, it's just nothing like it.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible story. And of course, yeah, you gotta there's gotta be an angle somewhere where you can interview someone and it just happens to be near the July, of course. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, if if you told me like years ago. I always wanted to work for Major League Baseball, Um, but I thought that would be way farther in my future than at the age of 21. I never thought that I would be employed by them at any point, let alone later in my life. So it was super cool to achieve my dreams so early and get my foot in the door. And it was such a cool experience for being such a young age. And I feel like It has helped me so much in both interviewing and my baseball career because I've had an opportunity to talk to people and get advice from such amazing players at All-Star Week and the World Series. So it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible experience. And we hope that you continue to make those memories this summer. Marika, thank you so much for taking the time. And we are so looking forward to seeing you on the mound this summer in Brockton.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be there.
0: Of course. And this has been season six, episode three of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures League. We have new episodes coming out every Thursday. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see everyone soon.